You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. investigate the anti-Christian religious system that's at work today, you'll find that a lot of them started out in a local church. But they were not of us. They came from us and started their own groups. We need to continue to follow hard after Jesus Christ. We need to follow hard after His life, which is our example for living. We need to believe in the crucifixion, believe in His death, believe in His resurrection, believe in His ascension, and believe in His return. We need to believe in those things. We need to abide in Him and Him alone. Are you abiding in your Savior, Jesus Christ? In today's message from Pastor Dave, he encourages you to seek diligently after the Lord. Make spending time with God a priority within your weeks. Fellowship with Him through prayer, solitude, and worship. Faithfully abide in the Lord, and He will abide in you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he continues his message. Who are these guys? And where did they come from? You are he says again in Romans 16, 17, Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So the Apostle Paul is warning. Jesus warned them. And now here John is saying the same thing. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. We've been studying this as we went through the first chapter of 1 John. He goes on to further tell us that, hey guys, I love you, but it is possible for you to deceive yourselves. It's possible that you might deceive yourself. Well, how do I deceive myself? By the claims you make. What? By what you say. You say, I'm walking in the light, but you're really walking in darkness. You're deceiving yourself. I don't sin. You're a liar. You're deceiving yourself. This is what John has said to us already in the first chapter. We can't deceive ourselves. we got to look at the truth. Remember, John is teaching us to be real, to be a real Christian. There's many, many people who make false professions of faith. I'm having fellowship with God. I fellowship with God all the time. Yes, but you're walking in darkness. There's a problem here. See, we become our worst enemies. And remember what John's doing? He's got this huge mirror. Hello. He's got this huge mirror. And he's holding up a huge mirror. He says, look into this mirror. Can you look at that mirror and say, I'm following God the best I can, as hard as I can? Look into that mirror. Or are you deceiving yourself? John doesn't pull any punches, and we can't either. You cannot fellowship with God and walk in darkness. This is deception. You can't say you don't have any sin and sin because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you say, I have no sin, what does the scripture say? What did John said? Well, that's great. You just made God a liar. Excuse me? The Bible's clear. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Paul even said to the Ephesian church, you were by nature children of wrath. David said, I was born in sin. So when we deny this sinful nature, we deceive ourselves. 
And this is what John is referring to. If we say we have no sin or sinful nature, we deceive ourselves. The Bible teaches clearly that I sin. Why do I sin? Because I'm a sinner. Sinning doesn't make me a sinner. I was already a sinner before I sinned. Sinning proved that I was a sinner. You get the idea here? God says all sin. There's no one righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. So we can't deny the fact that we have this sinful root in our lives, the old man. And if we say we don't, we make God a liar. So John is saying, hey, gang, be aware. Be aware of what's out there. And then beware. Beware. Look out. Be alert. Don't fall asleep, church. Things are coming against us. John says these men will come. And they will be in the spirit of the Antichrist, small a. Spirit of the Antichrist. And we discussed this last week in verse 18, but we need to read it again to get the context. John says, little children, again, I love that because you have a pastoral heart who's calling his flock little children. It's like J. Vernon McGee, my beloved. I like that, you know what I mean? Calling you his beloved. Yeah, and I like that. It's an endearing term, my little children. And we said John could say that because right now he's about... Well, I don't know how many thousands of years he is now, but at this time, he was about 90 years old. Everybody was a little child to him. He says, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many Antichrists, small a, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. We discussed this last week, the capital A and the small a. John's further going to delineate who these people are. But John said that knowing that these men are here, knowing that these men are coming, we know it's the last times. It's the last hours. We said last week, when did the last hour begin? When Jesus was here, when he was crucified and went to the Father. The last times began. The clock began to tick. So who are these guys? And where did they come from? John wants to know. Paul tells us quite clearly where they came from. They came from among you. They came from among you. And this is scary. Really, it's scary when you think about it. They came from among us. Look what John says. One more, 19. They went out from who? Us. But they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Naturally, the us in this verse refers to the fellowship of believers, the church. Fact. F-A-C-T. Fact. Not everybody who comes to church is a member of the family of God. Fact. Somebody once came to me and said, why do you give an altar call almost every single Sunday? Everybody that comes is saved. I went, what? I said, I would be the most naive pastor in the entire world if I thought everybody sitting in front of me was born again. I said, I can't believe that at all, ever. That's crazy. They will come out of you. They will come all from you. From you, they will come. So these men and women come out from us, but John says they were never really apart from us. What's he speaking about? He's not speaking about those who left this church and went to another Bible teaching church or went to some other church to first worship and fellowship. That's not what he's talking about. John is speaking those people who were never really part of the church. How did he become part of the church? You become born again, rebirth, exactly. You were born into the church. 
You were born in. You are born again by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells with you. When you accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, when you believe into a living hope that God raised him from the dead on the third day, when you believe in that, you become born again. And you are a part of the church. You are a member of God's family. But these people were a part of them. They had the right lingo. Praise God, brother. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Yeah, brother. Yeah, praise God. They had the great lingo. They even quoted scripture. And they knew it. Probably sometimes better than we do. And they were able to quote their scripture and quote their scripture and quote scripture. It says, but they were not of us. I call them posers. They posed to be Christians, but they weren't really Christians. They had other motives. They were seeking to divide. They were seeking to disrupt. All they were looking for was an opportunity to pull you aside and to get you to agree with them. They wanted you to agree with them so they could start their little clique. And then, you know, when we get enough people, we'll come after that guy on stage. And we'll get him because what he's teaching is false. What I have is far better than what you're hearing right now. You look surprised. Don't be. I've heard it before at this church. I got something better. I got something better for you. And you hear something like that, run for the hills, gang. Run for the hills. Who are these guys? John says they came from you. They denied, back in verse 22 and 23, listen, it says, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Who acknowledges the Son has the Father. That's who he's talking about. They're not true believers. They're posers. So many pretenders come into the body of Christ. They have impure motives. They come in and they deliberately come to create strife. One commentator said they come to spread their pernicious doctrine. Big word. It simply means harmful. A harmful effect in a gradual or subtle way. They don't come right out and preach their gospel right away. They take time to get welcomed in and they get rooted and grounded in the fellowship and they get seated here. And then they start little by little. They talk a great game. They really talk a good game. They tell you all their credentials. Well, I was on ministry here and I was here and I did this and I did that. They tell you how great they are and how great they can be. They tell you what a service they can be to you in the church because they have all this to offer. They flaunt their gifts at you. They have these gifts and they flaunt them at you. Look at me. I have these gifts. You're pretty puny because you don't have this gift, but I do. You can use me. You should use me. Let me be you. They speak of what the Lord has told them and then they subtly start to draw people away. They subtly start to draw you away. Why can you be drawn away? Well, you might be hurting. Maybe you've been through a hard time, and they have a listening ear. Oh, they listen to me. Yeah, they do. They befriend the sheep. They very subtly get close to them. They entice them by telling them they have something new. I've got a new revelation to share with you. A new revelation. Yeah. And I want to share it with you. One commentator said this, one must beware of those who seem to be so spiritual that they can't get along in any church. You ever notice that? 
People will come from church to church to church to church to church to church to church and back in your church again. <laughs> they can't get along in any church at all. They go from time to time. People seem so gifted. They seem so prophetic. They seem so spiritual, but they leave in a huff every church they go to. And finally, they're left to themselves. The only person they have is themselves, and they're happy with that. They don't enjoy the fellowship and the body of the Christ. Fellowship with themselves is the least fellowship that they can have because they're so spiritual. Nobody can fellowship with them because they're on a big spiritual plane. Well, you know, the writer of Hebrews had something about that. And people say, well, I can fellowship at home. I can do all this at home. I can do this. I can do that. Well, according to what's written in Hebrews in verse 25 of chapter 10, he says in verse 24, he says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching, capital D. The day is coming. The last hour is here. It's the same theme, fellowship. And this is what Satan had in mind when he threw the coronavirus at us. What are the four pillars of the church? Come on, students. Four pillars of the church. Fellows, well, yeah, that's the fourth one. Come on, guys. Give me one, three, three. Apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, prayer, and fellowship. Take one of the legs of the church away. What happens when you take one of the table legs away? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. There's discouragement. Makes them avoid the community. They don't want to be around God. They don't want to be around men. And when we're around each other, something special happens when we're around each other. Something special happens. Iron sharpening iron. I may have gone through the same thing you're going through. Or you may be going through, maybe have gone through the same thing that I need to hear from. And we talk to each other and we get to know each other. And we come involved in each other's life. And we have all things in common. Jesus Christ. That's Pure koinonia fellowship. There's that word again. Some people, I don't need to go to church all the time. No, that's right, you don't. But you need church. You need to come here. Now, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but it's great to be among believers. It's great to be with the believing church. He says, as the day is approaching, Jesus' return is coming closer and closer and closer. His return is eminent, gang. It is eminent. We are in the last day. Some people want to share that divine nature that you've been born into, that the Holy Spirit that we have in each other wants to share with each other and have all things in common. They went out from us, but they weren't part of us. They were never truly part of the body. These are counterfeit Christians. Counterfeit Christians, they don't want to remain in fellowship. So John is remembering the words of Jesus when he writes this. He says, in the last times, many false Christs will come. Many men declaring that I'm your Savior. Now, John sees this happening in his day, and he says, whoa, we're in the last days. This is the last times. Well, guess what, folks? There's nothing new under the sun. It's happening today. It's happening today. Signs all over the place. It's happening today. And John says, if they were with us, they would have continued with us. They went out from us so that it might be manifested that they didn't belong to us. The people left the fellowship because they didn't possess a true life, a real life of love that Christ has given us. The love of Jesus Christ wasn't in their hearts. This is what Guthick says about this, yeah. Quote, a healthy church can purge itself of poisons. 
Just like the human body can get rid of poisons or die, so must the church get rid of the poison in order to stay healthy. The compromising and false Christian will not feel comfortable sitting down roots in a healthy church. He will either get right with God or leave. Unquote. There are many unfortunate divisions in the body of Christ today. Many unfortunate divisions. But if you are a true Christian, there are some things we have in common. There are some things that we have in common, regardless of your church affiliation. There are some things we have in common. First of all, we believe that this is the inerrant, infallible word of God. God's breath breathed on these pages come alive to us. It's a living document able to cut between the bone and the marrow and get to the heart. We believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God, as Peter said. That beautiful profession of faith. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and we believe that Jesus is God, come as a man. God has come as a man. We confess that we're sinners, all fall short of the glory of God, and we believe that Jesus, on a cross, died for my sins. On that cross, he died for my sin. He became sin who knew no sin and took my sin and everybody's sin to the world upon himself. That's what we believe. We believe he died there. We believe he was buried. And we believe he rose again on the third day. We believe that. We believe that then he rose again and now sits on the right hand of God the Father. But he didn't leave us as orphans. We believe that he sent a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that comes and indwells in us, all who believe. And we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we believe one day he will come again. One day he will come again. And folks, that's the true gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the true gospel. Now, we may differ on other matters, but this is the gospel. These things that I just talked about are non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable. Sadly, when you investigate the false cults, when you investigate the anti-Christian religious system that's at work today, you'll find that a lot of them started out in a local church. But they were not of us. They came from us and started their own groups. What do we need to do? We need to continue to follow hard after Jesus Christ. We need to follow hard after his life, which is our example for living. We need to believe in the crucifixion, believe in his death, believe in his resurrection, believe in his ascension, and believe in his return. We need to believe in those things. We need to abide in him and him alone. Believe in him alone, abide in him alone. You know, when Paul, trying to help out the churches in Galatia, it's about five churches that Paul was writing to in the book of Galatians, and he wrote this letter trying to help these guys out because they were in trouble. They were having a hard time. And listen to what he says in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Powerful stuff here. Chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 in the book of Galatians. Yes, he says, but in verse 8 of chapter 1 in Galatians, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And the word here is anathema. A cursing blessed upon him. Let him be accursed. Paul didn't care who brought the wrong gospel, who brought the false gospel. If it was him 
or an angel, he's saying, let him be accursed. person who spreads the false gospel is worthy of a particular cursing from God. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy. He's worthy of that. Anathema. Paul had such a love for God's children that he didn't want them to go astray. John has such a love for God's children that he doesn't want them to go astray. I have a love for this church that I want to see no one go astray. No one go astray. Because I understand, and I know many of you understand, the power of the gospel message. The power of the gospel message. So much so that it's worth going to Romans. It's worth going to Romans 1. It's worth reading Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul, writing to the church of Rome, says these beautiful, beautiful words. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the gospel, is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Wow. Gospel of Jesus Christ, a righteousness of God. I like to call it a God kind of righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes only from God through the gospel. For a judge to just totally dismiss charges against a guilty man who is not righteous, there needs to be something in between. A daysman, a mediator, the man Jesus Christ. There has to be a righteous basis for the forgiveness of sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that righteous basis. God established this righteous basis for forgiveness by Christ as he became our substitute. He took the sin upon himself, as I said before. He died in your place. He died in my place. The righteous for the unrighteous. The just for the unjust. If I sound passionate about that, is it because I am? The last days are here. We're in the last hour. We're in the last minutes. And the Lord is coming back. And we believe he's coming back for a chaste bride, a pure bride. We believe he's coming back. And that bride happens to be his church. Those that have made a true profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that have made that true and honest profession and are living according to what God has said. Christ took our place. He paid the debt that we deserved. He took our place and he died. And that satisfies the righteousness of God. The just shall live by faith. Please, settle it in your hearts. Settle it once and for all. It's only by Christ. Now, let me leave you with this. The first church I was belonged to was a Calvary Chapel affiliate. And they used to have... a a saying, but it belongs to be said again, and I like to repeat it. It's Jesus, only Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. Remember that. Somebody comes to you with something and says to you, Jesus is okay, but you need... Wrong answer. You don't get the prize. You don't get a cookie. Get out of here. Remember, it's only Jesus. By faith you have been saved through grace, and not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. You are a This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are 
what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark, truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest, here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number, 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope. Rescued